Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11 of Cup Cold Solder, show where we talk about all things electronics and anything else that piques our interest. I'm Matt Sego. And I'm Daniel Ansari. And we'll jump right into it as per usual. Daniel, what have you been working on this week? Um, this week I've been working on scuttle stuff. Uh, we've been making, um, so, uh, we've been refining some software, or not even refining, actually just completely rehaul, like a, you know, complete overhaul, overhaul, is that the word? That's the word. To... Yeah, redo all the code for a scuttle um, in the good uh, robotics, you know, using the kinematics and the dynamics way, mm-hmm. since um, it's something we've missed out on being able to do during this entire year because we haven't had the time to make that make that kind of that nice code, you know. Yeah. So, and also a lot of the stuff I've been doing has been, you know, in this really roundabout way, building off of not so great code I worked on before that I don't have the time to or well to honestly improve just because you know it works but you know it had to get improved at some point um, right. with a product like this or a project like this in general so um, now's that time so we're working on making all the code better uh, we've just got in like some LiDAR stuff working uh, so right now we're working on making scuttle uh repel objects or like you know it sees an object or it's traveling towards a wall say and it'll bounce off that wall without hitting that wall um so like a neat thing we've done this might not be too neat to most people but you know um with the magic of math we've uh you can put your like we've so typically zero on the um like scuttle's position with the lidar would be the, the point of the LiDAR, right? But instead, it's been redefined to a point in front of the, like, a 30 centimeter, like a foot away from the LiDAR. So you can move your finger to that point on scuttle, and the LiDAR will read your position as zero. And if you move closer to the, you know, so um, zero is not the LiDAR now. It's uh, some other point on the robot. And we hmm. can add multiple points to the robot so that we can build kind of a, like a bounding box i guess you'd call it sure so when an object gets close enough it has uh you know an influence on the robot and without touching it we can have it okay this is the angle of the wall in front of me and what you know how we're going to bounce off that wall how we're going to um deal with our obstacles basically so yeah that's what we've been working on is making our code nice um gonna do some nice you know pid control and whatnot on the wheels um, so um, Scuttle's been around about a year now, right? Yes. Give or take. Um, so would you kind of consider this like the spring cleaning, if you will, like taking what you did uh, last year and making it even better? Yes, except we're completely – it's more like we're doing it the right way now because gotcha. by the time the end summer ended last, last summer, um, we were at refining the hardware and the hardware by the time the summer started or the fall semester started the hardware was done but the software wasn't quite up to par and it really not has not been since then because you know i just i work on software and i've been just given hardware to build with and i just kind of go from there so there's no steps in refining the last thing i was working on it's okay it works time to move on to the next thing right Sure. Um, but now we can take that time to refine everything that we work on so that um, we can build off of the stuff we worked on previously 
and have our stuff be... How do I say this? When currently I'd be building things, I'd be building off of code that I wrote that isn't so great. And so I would do cool stuff, and it would be like... I'm, I feel like you're doing it the wrong way, right? Mm-hmm. As in, I should... I, I should build off the, you know, do the hard stuff first that's not fun and make it good so that when you do the fun stuff, you're doing that fun stuff right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's what we're working on. We're doing the hard stuff right now so that when we get to the fun stuff, um, we're doing it right and there's no need to ever go back and, you know, re-refine st- or, you know, we'll, re- we'll refine stuff further, but um, the most of the hard work is done. So... That's what I've been working on, and so we're just working on Scuttle. And also, we we're looking into how we can transition Scuttle into being used with a Raspberry Pi, since that seems like a more powerful system that we can uh, do just a lot more with as far as object recognition, or object recognition might be a bit much, but um, computer vision stuff is what I meant to say. So in making that transition... Uh and you'll have to forgive my ignorance a little bit, but how much of um, how much of what you've created so far can be moved over, and how much of it has to be totally built again from the ground up? Um, so we're gonna use a uh, say it again. Sorry. So like like, and again, you have to forgive my terminology and somewhat ignorance in the field, but. Um, I understand, you know, you made, like, a custom image, I guess, Yes. Uh, for Scuttle. Um, does that translate? Does it not? Like, how does that So, work? typically, I want to... So, as cool as making the custom image was, I want to avoid doing that as much as I can hmm. because that's a large download for people to have to make. Unless I'm hmm. doing something seriously to the, the image that makes it, you know, that makes it worth downloading, I want to try to make you de- download the normal Raspberry Pi image um, and then you run this um, script, a bash, there's like a shell script that is only a couple kilobytes maybe at most, and not even that. Uh, and it does every, it just automatically sets up the environment for you. Um, and that, that, that's, as far as downloading that goes, costs far less and might take, uh, for it, it'll take more time, but it's, it's a lot more worth that to the user. And also, um, for the more advanced users, it's easier to modify how that works. Mm-hmm. So, um, as cool as making images is, I would prefer not doing that, just because for the end user, at the end of the day, a script is just far easier to use. Sure. So does that, like, um, automate, well, essentially automate like all, again, forget my ignorance, automate, like, all the git commands and things like that? Yes. Um, basically, you just run a shell script, and what that means is um, you've used some shell stuff, right? Like you've run uh, yeah, commands. A little bit. Basically, you just, if you take those commands, put them in a text file, and, you know, each command is its own line. Uh, there's other things you can do, but I'm just, for the simplest thing, you can, uh, the extension on that file can be a .sh, and then when you done, you run that file in the shell, it'll run all those commands that you have in that file. And that's that's just, that's how what I'd use to do a self-installer. Hmm. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I know you also uh, worked on Crush some. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so um, Crush has been a really long project of uh, failure or success and failure, I should say, because we'll get things to work, and then we'll run into uh, 
another issue because what happens is uh, so the first time we ever got crush working it worked uh, great actually and then we had a motor issue where the one of the motors just died and so now we're using a like motors with nine and a half nine and a half maybe nine amps stall current either way a lot as well as much beefier h bridges that is and, a metric butt ton yeah and so that's that's nine amp stall current per motor and there's two motors on each side which means and they're hooked up in parallel so that's uh a lot of current and we got to get the pololu h bridges that supply that and that's been kind of terrifying because we know we don't know how the batteries will do and all that anyways we had ordered these motors and what happened was we were you know we're really happy because finally we've got the motors that'll do the job and suddenly the motor just kind of spins and it has no torque to it like the Mm. other couple like three of them do and then one of them had torque and then spun and now it spins but it has like i can stop it with my finger and then it happened to another motor, and we're like, this is bad. Like, what is this? So it turns out the gear that goes on the motor shaft had broken off. Or it hadn't broken, but there was no... Whatever they were using to glue the motor, the gear to the motor shaft to make them, you know, um, static to each other, or, they're not, you know, they don't move in relation to each other. Yeah. Um, had just, like, stopped. The glue, the adhesive, whatever, just doesn't... I thought it was press fit, maybe. Either way, it wasn't working. The motor shaft was spinning inside of the gear that was then delivering um, our into the uh, gearbox. So, okay, that sucked because, you know, we hadn't even applied the torque that we wanted to those motors and they were failing. So we took them apart, uh, take the gears off, um, put epoxy on them from like, some JB Weld, really high tensile strength epoxy. Uh, we sanded, like, the inside and grinded up, like... Groove, cut grooves into the the motor shafts. Actually, I hadn't done most of this. Uh, this is BK's project, and he's done a really great job. Yeah, he has. You know, he's done great. He's that. <laughs> I feel so bad for him because he's worked so hard on Crush, and it um, keeps breaking itself. <laughs> yeah, like right, like so. We, now we have it working. Everything finally works, and all we could both think of was, "Hey, you want to place bets on how it's gonna break next?" Um, <laughs> and like, I mean. He found it funny because because he was sure it was gonna we're sure it's gonna happen again. But it's really holding up this time, which is great. And our only issue, so we drove it. Um, do you know that um, that like sidewalk in front of Fermier across the road? Mm-hmm. So if I go to the corner of that, um, we were able to drive crush from there all the way to the other end of that sidewalk and then lose signal. And I don't know if you remember how long that sidewalk is, but... It's pretty long. It's very long. And uh, that's happening from the onboard antenna on the Raspberry Pi inside wow. of a steel casing. Wow. Because that antenna is not being forwarded to the outside. Did you run over any children? Um, no, but that was only because BK's in control, and he's far ah. more calculated between these things than I am. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyways, for anyone who doesn't know, Crush is pretty big. Yeah, Crush is Crush. I think in videos looks smaller, but well, like especially it's now a that big it's robot. Crush instead of ASAP, Crush is huge. Yeah, and uh, 
it's a heavy robot. We have actually doubled the batteries robot. in there. Oof. So now it's running off two, ba- two 14 volt batteries in parallel. And they, I mean, the first time it finished its batteries in 20 minutes, but it drove great. And it's um, sending HD video over the heads, the, you know, the fat sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty great robot overall. It doesn't have audio yet. So we're going to put a microphone on there and see how that goes. But other than that, it's going pretty great. Oh, and I need to, so we want to take the Wi-Fi and um, forward it to the outside of the casing as well. You know, put the antenna on the outside and not oh, use the onboard antenna of the Raspberry Pi for I thought, we drilled, uh, I thought we drilled control. a hole for that. That was for the antenna for the video streaming. Ah, very well. Yeah. So this next one will be for a Wi-Fi antenna. Gotcha. Well. So, um, yeah, Crush finally works. BK has been excited to show it off at some point. Um, we basically were afraid it would break again. And so we started, like, we started filming immediately after it started working. And we, like, <laughs> move. as we got more, um, you know, the more it, the, the longer it withstood us messing around with it, the more we, you know, put put it in some uh, stressful situation. Stress, that's not the right word. Not the right way to say it. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying, though. Like you, you put know, it through its paces. Yes. The more the more it withstood them. Basically, we were gonna keep videotaping until it broke, and hopefully, when it broke, would be when we like did something really over the top with it. Um, but it withstood it all. Unfortunately, it's a little slower than we would like. Where, hmm. if you remember, like the first iteration before the motors broke, that thing like launched itself off the stairs at Fermier. Uh, now it kind of just bounces down the stairs, but it does it fine. Like it's not slow. It's just it's way cooler for it to jump over all those stairs than yeah, kind of bounce down each cool. one. Yeah. So and it's got like you know a, a steel casing on it, which doesn't help. And uh, it's pretty it's heavy. Got, yeah. It's pretty heavy. So it's as far as like we're both very happy with it at the moment. And if um, this order was made from the customer, which is like. I don't know if I should talk about that. Uh, Probably not. <laughs> but if the, if the customer makes that order, this is not the one we would deliver to them. Or this, right. um, you know, we wouldn't make a better version of this. We'd probably take from uh, Louis, or because right now we have a bunch of extrusions in the crush, and it's a lot of weight that's not doing that much more. And sure. so we can accomplish the same thing with a lot less weight. And sure. we'd use the same motors and everything, and you'd have a really powerful robot that's got all the articulation and all that still and it just does a crap ton more better so that's what we're uh looking into but we're fine we're glad that we have our prototype working about time and also even that if not it's a cool robot it's 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 bk's gonna hook up the headlights and all that soon but you know right now we were just concerned with it driving properly and it does that well so that's good are those still gonna run off my little valve controller board Yes, it will. Yeah, getting used for something. <laughs> but I have to admit, I keep forgetting the pinout for that. Yeah, well, it's that pinout's custom for that specific application. Yeah. Um, so it's not exactly conducive to whatever. Uh, all right, well, you got anything else? No, I think that's it. What about huh. you, Matt? What about me? Um, I made a bunch of boards. Yes, that's, uh, uh, those are really pretty boards. Thank you. Um, I haven't talked about these, have I? Have I talked about these? I'm not sure. Um, well, we're about to get a reiteration if I haven't. 
uh, or if I have rather. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think you have. I don't think I have either. Um, but if I did, sorry, anyone listening, just skip this. Um, so we have a RGB. Uh, so that's that's like what I'm known for in the lab is RGB. Um, and I'm not one of those like custom PC builders who just loves RGB. In fact, I haven't ever made a computer, but I just like RGB um, mm-hmm. because I find it something interesting. You know, it's like it's kind of lame to control one LED, but if you can control three, that's kind of cool. And then you might as well make them different colors. And then when it's, if it's RGB, you can make a bunch of different colors. So it's very, I think it's good for like a like a soldering kit sort of thing because yeah, you know, to teach you how to solder. Well, it teaches you how to solder, but then at the end you get this fun little thing. You can do a bunch of things with it. Like I'm not I'm not a big fan of like um, a lot of these soldering kits you can buy. They're great. They do their job. They're good at soldering, but like I don't know. They they just they scream cheap to me. And it's like if I was actually gonna go out and buy, I'm just gonna make one up, uh, a, a clap-on switch. That's uh-huh. the one. I, that's the soldering kit I got for the class where we had to do that. I probably wouldn't buy that one. Um, like I bought that one to be a fun little kit to teach my 12-year-old kid how to solder. I didn't. I didn't buy that one to actually be the thing I'm gonna use. Right. Um, and and so I I like the idea of having a soldering kit that is both good to teach soldering but it doesn't have to be for teaching soldering it could actually be useful in some little application maybe not even useful maybe these are more decorative i guess but they're still kind of fun and there's right. still something you can totally put in you know i gave them little mounting holes i made them as small as i could make them um they fit m m2.5 screws um i just find i'm very fond of that particular size yeah. um and uh and yeah i don't know i just i R, rgb seems like a good little good little thing to teach kids how to solder so um and it's something they can play with when they're done and that was one of the beauties of uh my rgb version two uh was um was that i had little like jumpers on it and so you didn't have to control this thing with an arduino or whatever you could control it manually you could plug in a power cord which was just a standard uh, micro usb and right. that would give it power, and then you could manipulate the little shunts on your own, and that would change the color. You could turn them on and off, um, and a lot of people got a pretty big kick out of that. Well, this is RGB V3, and it's totally SMD. So I'm using real FETs now. The, before I was using BJT transistors. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Morgan made fun of me for that, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so now we're on to FETs, like proper humans, because they're voltage-controlled, not current-controlled, and we like that. Um, and, yeah, I, the LEDs should be in tomorrow, so I'll get to solder those on and see if the thing actually works. Um, but they're pretty small. I don't even think... I think on the long edge, it's not even quite an inch. It's close. And then on the short edge, it's probably about half an inch. So it's pretty small. Um... It, in fact, it's 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 just wide enough to fit a five-pin header. That's how wide it is. Um, so it's it's pretty stinking small, um, and and it should be kind of fun. So that's one of them. And then um, and then apparently that might be something we sell to students um, to teach them how to solder SMD. So that'll be fun. Um, these are the things I just make for fun because I'm just, it's easy at this point. Uh, to make boards like this, so I don't know why not. Yeah. Uh, and then the other interesting one. Well, actually, so I made 
for my missile project, I, I'm, I'm done. I was the hardware engineer for the bandage thing. There's not much I can say about that. But um, what I can say is the thing takes a lot of power. In fact, you, Donner, you've seen the, seen the thing on. It, it takes a lot of power, doesn't it? That thing is a lot of fun and a lot of scary. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't know would be curious now. But Because uh, it output, I mean, you could say what it at least, uh, I don't so know. So it's, it's, it's LEDs. It's yeah, LEDs. It's LEDs uh, that I'll, I'll let you say as much as you want so that I don't say it's something you don't want me to say. Well, I, I don't Do you want to say the kind of light? Uh, no. Um Let's just, let, I, I don't really remember what I am and I'm not allowed to say, so let's just so, chill. So what's cool, though, is these LEDs are bright enough that your hand is hot when you put it over that. Yes, and that's why it has the biggest ground plane on the planet, which is to say the biggest ground plane I could fit on that. And it's not, like, board. not even fully powered or close to, not even close to fully powered. It's bright, and it's it makes your hand warm. Yeah. So, yeah, Real pretty warm. cool. But the cool thing is, like, if you touch the board itself, not that warm. So the I touched planes, I touched an LED while I was on it. Uh, yeah, don't do that. That, that, that was uh, that 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 was hot. I, that, I, at I first I thought it was the heat from the actual LED. Like I wasn't touching it, and I'm like, oh no, I want to pull my hand away because my, the rest of my hand's about to get this hot. <laughs> and so what? I'm gonna pull my hand away, and now everyone's gonna go blind. Um, and then I realized it was because my hand was actually just touching the LED. So. No yeah, need to pull things, my hand away. These things are so bright, we have to either wear sunglasses or cover them with our hand when we turn them on. Um, it's pretty cool. It's very satisfying to have made something that powerful. But the problem with that much power is we need something to power it. And this is being used in a certain type of testing where they need to use 10 of them at a time. Um, and like I said, fortunately, my part's done. It's all in the software engineer now. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> um, uh, but what I did decide to make was, um, so we decided, I don't think we've actually tested it yet. Yeah, not my problem. But, um, we decided to use an ATX power supply. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a Corsair 650, I think. 650 um, watts. Watts. Which is 12 volts at like 52 amps or something insane like that. So, um, uh, so... One way we could have done it was, um, you know, cut up the wire. I picked a modular power supply on purpose. Um, I could have cut up the wire harness and then, um, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then cut up the wire harness and then, uh, and then distribute the 12 and five volts, uh, to the five well we're, we're only going to power five of them with uh one power supply just because that's how we decided to distribute it one power supply could actually probably do all 10 i think wow um, that's a lot of power but just because of how they needed to distribute it for the specific type of testing they're doing they decided to do five on one circuit if you will and five on another mm -hmm. um and uh um and so I made I made this little board. We use a well, you know the connector, the little four pin connector I use on that board. Right. Um, instead of having them try to go make a cable that goes from that four pin connector to some bundled mess into the ATX, I made a little board that has five of those four pin connector outputs, and then it, the ATX connector plugs directly into it. Right. Um, and I think that's probably far superior. Uh, so, 
so yeah so i think i think that will probably so do you know that like do atx power supplies limit what they'll deliver on each um i don't know power rail because i know they have yes you know 3.3 and 12 volts and minus 12 volts which is kind of neat and uh all those i don't remember off the top of my head what each one is but um on that particular one anyway i do remember that 12 the 12 volt rail was rated at i think it was 52 amps um well that's a lot of amps still yeah i like i wasn't kidding i'm pretty sure that's what the current limit was um uh and then it it did it did on the little sticker on the bottom it gave ratings for all the rails that's insane that the minus the minus 12 volt is something really low it was like like 500 milliamps or something like that oh oh wow okay well comparatively low that's actually still pretty high where is that written uh, it's there's a there's a big like you know whatever like informational sticker on the bottom or something okay it's it's there um yeah so i just that's what i that's why i picked it i picked that one because it said 12 volt rail all of the amps and i was like all right i'm down <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and so there we are um but yeah so that that should be that was a quick in fact, that board went together insanely well. I, I'll have to show it to you because it's hard to explain why it went together so well. Uh-huh. But um, it just it just did. Like, um, granted, it's f- six connectors and a switch, and that's that's a great that's one of the beautiful things about the ATX power supply, is the green wire connected to ground and the power supply's on, disconnected from ground and the power supply's off. Right. Which is annoying if you don't know that, because then you're sitting there like, why doesn't my power supply works? But why doesn't my power supply work <laughs> but if you do know that it's actually a huge asset especially if you're using it for something non-computer related like we are right. where you can plug it into my little power board flip the switch and boom the thing's on flip it off it's all off that's um, neat and, yeah. and it's it's not a current carrying wire so I mean a little bit but nothing of note not and a so huge can, amount just a, like a signal yeah it's just a signal wire so I can just put and you know I can put any switch there I want to. So you know those little black switches I use for everything that I have a big sack of on my desk. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. That's what I picked. Because it's actually the exact same switch I use. I have an ATX power supply sitting right next to me, and that I turned into like a little bench top power supply. And, yes, uh, that was actually I guess I think I told I told you about that, and you're like, wait, why haven't I ever thought of that? Yeah, and then I immediately did it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I had one just sitting there. Um, I kind of regret cut it, cutting the connector off, though, because now that I have a footprint for it, I could have just made a board. But anyway, um, whatever. Too late now. I can just yeah. make another one. They're pretty cheap, actually. I was surprised how cheap they were. So I think I told you about this, but yeah, when I tried to do that, I got electrocuted, so I was like, never mind. I'm done throwing that. Did. Yeah, with 240 volts as well. Uh, so. Well, we can try again sometime if you want, or we could just make a proper... I would try again, because... Actually, like, you already have a power supply. What do you need that for? Um fun all the current <laughs> uh yeah that's true mine's you, limited at five amps a measly five amps we'll see what we could do is uh get you just take the 12 volt rail yeah and then get one of those variable power supply thingies that can handle all the current i can't mm-hmm. remember the model off the top of my head but there's a specific one i'm thinking of and um and then just run it through that and then we can regulate it to any voltage you want and you get all of the current <laughs> yeah i'll do that i'm not i mean I'm not afraid to try it again. I know, like, I when I got electrocuted, that was like, like I'm like, huh, I'm not gonna do electronics for like a week because now I'm scared. <laughs> that's, that's your punishment. I mean, it was accidental and like, 
I wasn't doing it. Uh, was I don't think I, okay. I'll say I don't think I was doing anything that like like dumb, but like my hand brushed a heat sink while the thing was on, and I got electrocuted from a heat sink, which is like, I I don't know the grounding must have sucked or something, but I don't think like I wasn't trying to touch the heat sink, but even though I did touch it, it's like, like it should I feel like it should it should have been grounded. I should not have been electrocuted by that. So I wonder if that makes a difference because like. You know, I was in the second floor of my house, and so, I don't know, it must make it harder for me to... No, no, that doesn't work. But... We should also get a totally shielded power supply. Yes. Um, like, like I, 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 I'm, I appreciate as much as you do taking things apart and looking at how they work, but if I can just buy an ATX power supply and then make me a little thingy that I can plug into and boom, I have a benchtop power supply, I'm okay with that. I don't need to open it up and look at it. <laughs> yeah. And those um, are totally secure. Yeah, because you might as well just plug in, like, the, the actual cable to your power supply. Or, like, to, you know, take the wires that are coming out of it and just put that all in a bigger box, including the power supply. And, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I you, mean, I should have done that. But I was going to be like, oh, let me put, like, an acrylic outside on this so I can see inside. Because no. I want it to look cool. It's but, not like, gonna, nothing, not there's no, safe. There's no moving parts. There's no LEDs. What's the point? Hey, that's not true. I mean, it's, I mean, yes, all that was true, but it's still like, <laughs> you remember like all the electronics when like the nineties electronics, we had translucent, like, like cases on like phones and whatnot. Yeah, I found that horrible. stuff. Awesome. I hate it. Well, okay. I hate it except for one thing. I have a, um, I have a TI 83. Yeah. Um, oh, I need to get that back. That's on long-term borrow. But anyway, um, I think just like this mic. <laughs> Dino's using my mic. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that person's graduated. I'll have to get that back. Anyway, um, I have, yeah, it's like a TI-83, I think, and it's translucent silver. It's pretty yeah. cool. See, it's pretty so cool. like translucent silver, what? How does that work? Uh, it's silvery color, like a clearish gray. Oh, okay. I guess I thing. see your point. See, I, I guess I wouldn't say um, I would want all my electronics to be translucent, but... I guess for younger me, when I saw translucent electronics, it was just like I can look inside without opening it, and it was like <laughs> great. No, no zap zap. But I can't say that that stuff looked great, like aesthetically mm, no, questionable. Awful. But awful. But I still quite enjoyed that stuff. So now totally transparent, like acrylic. That's all right. I can I can get with that. Yeah. So um, I was still gonna do that to a power supply. But you know, in hindsight, actually, like just in general. That would have looked bad. Like no, I yeah. like. No, my my design taste has changed. I guess, because yeah, that would not have been pretty. But that's what I was headed for, and um, I got electrocuted. So it's I guess it's a good thing I didn't do that. It, yeah. it de- well, deter- deterred me. We, deterred me. Now yeah. we can make a custom board. So. Oh yeah, just sell a board. Here, turn your your any power supplies laying around. Just plug this in, and you got. I don't know, so, variable voltage, current, limited, or I don't know, whatever you want to do. Well, so I actually saw one. Um, I get ads for Banggood now, Joy to the World. And, <laughs> um, and and I actually saw one. It was a, um, that's actually what, that specific ad was what inspired me to make the board I just mentioned, was it was just a little rectangular board and had an a 24-pin ATX plug on it, and then mm-hmm. it, had, it broke out the all the relevant rails, you know, 5-volt, 3.3, 12, minus 12, and had them in little, like, banana headers. Right. And had a, had a fuse on each one and everything. It's pretty cool. It was like five bucks. 
That's pretty neat, yeah. But it's, but it it's nice that those things exist. But it wasn't variable. Oh, bummer. We could make it variable. See, we could just take the 12-volt rail, because it has all the current anyway, and then yeah. make that variable, and boom, good to go. And just toss the rest. No, I mean, we literally just need the 12-volt rail. Yeah. Um, and there's two there's two 12-volt connections in the 24-pin. I'd have to look at... I don't think they're rated differently. I think they come from exactly the same source, but I don't know that. Yeah, that I'm would kind be of, a fun project, though. I'm kind of banking on them having come from the exact same source, because otherwise... I may have just messed up, but <laughs> maybe I should maybe I should look into that. But it did say 12 volt <laughs> rail as a whole was rated for 52 amps, so you'll make it work. It, I, well, if it doesn't work, it'll just blow up or something. That'd be kind of cool. Hopefully, somebody gets a video. Um, I told them to make it in blue. Oh, how's, how's the, uh, the board? Wait, this is from JLC PCB. Of course. Blue. Hmm. Like an Arduino blue, or like a. Well, uh, did you ever see the test board I made? There's a little bitty board I made for this project. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's uh, that, almost that Arduino blue. blue, I think. Yeah, kind of. It's more glossy. Yeah, I think it's also slightly darker, maybe. Maybe it's more royal, like a more yeah. royal blue. Anyway. Okay. Before we get on a color tangent, Daniel and I both have graphic design experience, so. <laughs> I, I mean, probably... yes, we do, but I still suck at colors. Yeah. I was actually color trained, um, to some degree, anyway. Because I had to in my um, in my job, I, so I worked in um, broadcast for the Texas A&M athletic department. Uh huh. And uh, I worked in their broadcast department, if you will. Um, it's more of a media department, but we did broadcast. And uh, um, one of my my jobs during football season was to I was the shader. Um, that's S H A D E R shader. Like I stand in the shade of a tree. Yeah. And. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the iris on the camera is kind of like the iris in your eye. Uh, you know, when it constricts, it lets in less Aperture. light. Aperture. Yeah, and when it, it... Well, we still call it an iris in the camera. You do? And oh, when okay. it expanded, um, you get more light in. And so, um, when you have these... These were those giant cameras you see on TV sometimes with the huge lenses. They're hundreds of thousands of dollars each. Um, they have the most insane zoom ever. But, um, so what, what my job was, was an attempt to like make the jobs of, um, the camera operators easier because there's, they're dealing with this giant camera. They're trying to follow fast action movement, like of the players on the field and whatnot. And, um, and so you don't want to trouble them with having to deal with their color. You don't want to trouble them with having to deal with the light. Right. Um, you really just want them to worry about zoom, focus, and moving the camera. Right. Um, and that's it. That should be the only thing they're worried about. And so everything else felt me. Um, so I was the next in line. Because we were... Cause, uh, so what would happen was... Here's a, here's a little chain of events. So the video would be captured by the camera. It would be sent directly to me. I would mess with it. And then, and then after I mess with it is when the director would see it. And... And then um, after, and this is all happening basically as, as good as simultaneously, but this is still the chain of events. And um, and then the, if the director chooses to throw that up on the screen, like in the stadium, then it's up on the screen in the stadium. And so myself and the camera operator are the only ones who can change that image. Right. That's now up on the screen. So if I wanted to black out that camera, I could. Um, it was kind of cool. 
It was a good amount of power. I enjoyed it. But <laughs> um, the and, technology uh, in like just general sports and uh, show business, I think, right, just amazes me. It's so, fascinating. I have yeah. yet to meet a person who works in it that I actually enjoyed talking to. Um, yeah. That most of them were very mean people. But anyway, <laughs> um, that's why I got. That's well got asked to leave but that's neither here nor there <laughs> um and um but anyway what, how did i get to this oh because i was trained in color and so one of the things i had to do was i had to um make sure my color was consistent across all eight cameras or however many there were um right and so they all had to look the same and right. so we had this cool color spectrum screen thing I wish I remember what it was called. It had a cool name. But anyway, like a chromograph sort of thing. And um, my job was to make all the cameras look the same. And then and then I also had I had this cool, like, lever for each camera. And you'd move it up and down, and that would control the iris and let more or less light in. And you could wash it out. You could black it out. But you obviously wanted it somewhere in the middle where it actually looked nice. The hardest thing was when the sun would come over the stadium, and half of your shot would be in the shade, and half of it would be in the light. Right. That was the worst. If you're ever watching sports, which I don't, I doubt you do, but if anyone ever is, I don't. Um, <laughs> if anyone ever is, and you see a shot like that, and it actually looks good, you should have some mad props to whoever's shading that, because that's hard to do. Um. But anyway, I got off kind of a tangent there. That's an interesting topic, actually. We haven't really touched on is my experience in broadcast, but um, there's not much there, honestly. Uh, it's a lot of cool technology, though. A lot of overpriced technology. Um, I saw a lot of stuff in there, like like there's there's literally a um, a like a mute switch sort of thing for broadcasters. Yeah. Um, it's this little box and it has like a mute and something else, and it had like two buttons, and <coughs> they they were transformer isolated and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. I looked them up one time because I was like, oh, I want one of these. It was like two hundred dollars or something, you know, something insane. And I was like, I can make that for like thirty. <laughs> Yeah, that's a. I should should undercut the broadcast market, but anyway. (laughs) Um, The only experience I have in that stuff is um, through theater work, which means you know hanging really heavy lights and Mm -hmm. like spotlight work, putting cookies and like. And I guess for people that don't know what cookies are, they're just you know like cookie cutter shapes. You put it in like a light in like a like a between two pieces of metal. You slide it mm-hmm. in, and you can make shapes. So if you want, like, a floral pattern from a light, you put in a floral pattern, and you get a floral pattern, like, light. And then you put a gel in, and you can change the color of the light based on the gel. <clears throat> you can mix gels. I think, I mean, I think that might be kind of frowned upon, but uh, because, you know, typically you buy gels, and you have, like, a big spectrum of gels. Um, and gels are, I, I find, actually quite fascinating just because they have so many of them. And the way they spec like the specifications when you buy them, or um, shop for them, are like you have a like a spectrum graph like a of of the all the visible wavelengths of of the entire visible spectrum, and then it's got a graph that plots how much light it lets through for each of those wavelengths, and it's just such a cool way to look at things. And if and it actually helps for projects not related to you know theater stuff. If I need a filter that lets through these wavelengths of light in like a very narrow section and stuff like that you can buy it from these guys and it's 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 really great um and i just you know uh, in my the- like you know we just hang lights and there's um dealing with lighting microphones um wireless mic packs uh that's a lot of fun 
I remember, I don't know, uh, have you ever, like, changed lights in those things? Like, spotlights? Mm, maybe. We had some in a church one time, so it's possible. It's been a while, though. And probably one of the, only once or twice. Yeah. One of the cooler things I had seen was, uh, I mean, I guess you don't think about it unless you do it, is if you touch, like, when you replace those lights, you are not supposed to, like, touch them at all. Because if you touch it, you leave some oil from your finger on the surface of the light bulb. And these lights get so bright and so hot that they will actually cause that that your finger, like that oil that you left behind, will burn. And then it'll turn black. And that part will absorb a lot of light. And then it'll actually cause the glass to start melting. Uh, hmm. And it gets that hot. And then like the light kind of just explodes um, and burns out. And I remember one time a light weren't out and it was just like one, you know, one of many lights that was in the theater and the entire, for like a split second, the entire theater goes like bright white, like, like as if someone like upped the white balance on your eyeballs a ton. <laughs> it's just bright. And then it, poof, that's it. You just hear a pop, but like a, for a split second, it's like the sun just appeared inside of the theater hall. So, and it's like, yep, someone touched the light. Or, you know, the, it, that was the end of that life for that bulb. But, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun stuff and dealing with big cables and crimping those and whatnot. So, I miss those days. I don't get to... I, I When people mention those things, I even remember things that I haven't remembered in a long time. Um, and the guy that I worked for there was uh, a lot of fun to talk to because he'd bring in, like, all kinds of cool stuff. He'd geek out over microphones and what this microphone is like skin colored and very thin and it's like six hundred dollars so i know those (laughs) yeah so um yeah that's a lot of fun and uh it's i really enjoy looking at other things that aren't you know my field because there's a lot of useful tools you learn from those things um yeah yeah there absolutely is yeah and you know just makes you want to explore other other stuff more like I distinctly just a fun story real quick before we get into our main topic yeah I remember um, uh, I had been working there a little while this is probably why they ended up asking me to leave actually I was kind of a butthead but um, uh, not this specific story just this type of behavior in general so we had uh, okay, I'm going to try to be very vague here we had so the guy who's in charge of us student engineers um, he's from some um, big company, big broadcast company. I don't remember which, um, but like one of those like CBS or, you know, something like that. Right. Um, uh, I, I don't know that it was that one, but something like that. And so he, you know, he, he knew, he knew a lot, but what he didn't know much about at all was audio. And that's like my, my love. I love audio. Right. And and I've learned a lot since then, but there's a lot of things I knew at the time that he definitely didn't know. And so it was funny. We were, we were setting up for um, an event, and uh, the cameras have XLR jacks on them, and they have phantom power. Mm-hmm. So if you need that, you can use it. And But he was using... Um, no, no, no. He was explaining it. So it was me, him, and then a new, a new student engineer. Like myself, but just new. Right. And... Um, and this individual who's in charge of us, he um, he was explaining uh, to the student um, when you would use phantom power. And uh, 
I don't remember what the options were on the camera, but Phantom Power is obviously one of them. But blah, blah, blah. The dude basically said um, that what it came down to was uh, he was like, yes, and even these type of mics need Phantom Power. And he was talking about dynamic mics, just standard, normal microphones. Right. And I look at him and go, no, you don't. He's like, yeah, you do. All mics need power. I was like, what? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. I don't, it, it, it's just, it, it blew my, like, I, I know it's kind of funny, but it was, it was interesting to see how offended he got that, <laughs> that, um, maybe it's because he was teaching somebody and maybe I should have just shut up and told him later, but right. I don't know, I didn't, I didn't want him to teach it wrong. And, um, and it's always tough know. in that situation. Cause also I, like if I were doing that and I've, you know, I've been in that situation very, you know, not a lot of times, but the times I have been, I question myself because I'm like, do I really think I'm right over this guy who's clearly probably more experienced than me and all that? And, you know, a lot of the time you are right, but you just don't want to, I don't know, it makes me doubt myself sometimes. Oh, I didn't doubt at all. I was like, no, I'm, I'm right. Like, I, I, at the time, I didn't understand the physics of how microphones worked. I didn't understand that. But one thing I did know, dynamics do not need phantom period end of statement right condensers do need phantom period end of statement can you put phantom in it into a dynamic yes will it do anything no <laughs> it will do absolutely nothing right um you might get a dc offset in your ac but that doesn't matter and um, oh no not a dc offset in your ac oh it makes zero difference because it gets <laughs> sorry dealt, keep going dealt with later <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. It just it just pissed me off. <laughs> but anyway, so that was just my little little story there. It was just funny to to be like, no, yes, you're this big shot dude from whatever network you're from, but you know, it's okay to not know things. Don't get angry about it. It's yeah. okay for me to know something you don't know. And he always got angry when I'd want to do audio stuff. It's like, dude, it's what I do. <laughs> Let me do it. But anyway. Um, so our main topic was Daniel and I, we actually cut e- cut ourselves off because we realized this, we should be talking about it on the podcast. Yes. Um, um, we're developing a board for unspecified reasons, but this board, I don't know. Do you, do you care if we talk about it? Does it matter? Uh, I don't think so, but I can't say for sure that it'll happen, but I'm so sure there's going to be interest in it. Okay. So, uh, well, it's why don't you explain it then? Well... So um, we're looking into moving the Scuttle platform into using a Raspberry Pi. And let, let me actually interject for a second. Um, yeah. Daniel and I have, I think, officially decided we are um, going to go ahead and move forward with kind of casually developing educational-ish platforms, more or less for fun, but we're going to sell them. That's kind of where we're at. Right. Um, so with that in mind, this keep going so we want to move our scuttle platform to the raspberry pi because we can do cool like computer vision stuff and uh we have a lot more um uh, it's just a lot easier to install stuff it's a very well-developed platform to work on especially for robotics and so we're realizing moving from the beaglebone blue which has a lot of onboard um a great onboard like servo you can you can plug servos directly into the board and you have servo outputs you can plug motors directly into the board, and you have there's like already an H bridge on the board, although it only does eight volts output, eight and a half volts I think, max output. But you know that's great. It has a LiPo connector and a DC input, 
so that you can plug in your 12 volt barrel jack and it'll plug, power the lipo or sorry charge the lipo as well as power your board and it's it's a great big the big old blues has a great um hardware features overall but um we feel like we're missing a lot of things with the big old blues so we wanted to see if we could do this platform with the raspberry pi and the pi has gpio that are limited to um digital inputs and outputs at 3.3 volts and there's like a 5 volt output on the board but as far as gpio goes it's 3.3 volts so and there's no adc or anything so you know we're missing a lot if we try to move up the move over to the pi so one of the things we'd like to do is um well one of the things is omin will do is buy a lot of boards so a sort of a controller board at adc um a uh, 5 volt regulator because we have a 12 volt input and this will be a lot of extra boards that'll be needed to make the pi work with the system and all these things are also small enough that we could have a hat on the raspberry pi that contains all this stuff so it'd be like a robotics cape for the raspberry pi and it would be make the make building the platform far easier um and so this is what we were discussing you know is how we would design this board um and matt has offered his expertise in uh well building this board so um yeah matt how do you what else do you think we should um i don't know is that everything i, I needed to mention for that i had mentioned think? adding a gpio expander but you said there's more gpio than i apparently think there is on the raspberry well there's 40 pins um and oh, i know mo okay. many of those are ground and 40 pins that sounds like a lot that does sound like a lot they i want to say right 20 now. i feel like it used to be 20 oh wait let me how many pins on the i'm looking at a pie right now but and it does it's not 20 pins but it, it's two by 40. something i think it's two by 20 raspberry hmm. pie how many gpio pins are on there Tw uh, 28 oh sorry the 28 gpio pins but Oh, 40 wow, pins in total okay okay whatever okay but Maybe yeah there's... a lot of them are power and ground okay well there's probably no need for expander then um that's a lot i was because <laughs> as you know i'm not that familiar with it that's, that's yeah a lot. <laughs> yeah that's a lot. it's 40 though um but i think a lot of that would run over i squared c right a lot of what you mentioned because you could run um you could run adc over i squared c you could run uh you could run your servo uh, what uh, the driver ICs over PWM or I mean uh, I squared C yeah uh, if you wanted I guess you could drive them with a PWM directly but I prefer eh. the I2C if I am up to um, coding that um, I get sometimes a little lazy with I squared C um, but it's very convenient because of how quickly you can uh, or you know how much you can add without limiting uh, you know you can you, you don't have to use a lot of GPIO pins but maybe there's enough PWM pins that we might as well just go that route. That's we'll see. 100% up to you. Cause, so kind of the arrangement I think Donnie and I have for other projects and probably for this one as well is that um, we'll have – he'll give me a – not even really a schematic, but more like a pinout. <coughs> yeah, and I what will connects follow, to what? Yeah, and I will follow that pinout to a T. And so it's totally up to you as the programmer what you're going to use, the PWM or the I2C or whatever floats your boat. Right. And, and another thing Daniel pointed out that's important to him is that the, these need to be passed through header. Yes. 
I really dislike when you put a hat on a Raspberry Pi for like, you know, here's the servo hat for the Raspberry Pi. And then the pins are just blocked off. And actually, Adafruit does a good job. They have like a place you can solder in some headers, which is fine. But I just prefer the pass-through headers. Although, you know, it's we both understand the reasoning for not doing that a lot of the time. is just you don't want people to interfere with your pins. And also, you could damage your board by just not knowing what pins are in use and doing something wrong. Um, but but when you know what you're doing, it, it can be quite annoying to not have access to those things, especially Agreed. if you want to expand off of that. And so I think the compromise here is we're going to mark those with the silk screen and then well document it. Yeah. And make sure we provide schematics and all that good stuff. And then after that, it's kind of the user's own fault. And plus, um, a lot of times hats are made for people who just want... Um, just want to like put stuff together put it somewhere and leave it and they may or may not have a ton of experience they may they may not but um we're giving these to students engineering students at that uh-huh. um and i i would hope <laughs> that they're competent enough to look through data sheets and things like that and figure out exactly what they need and what's doing what and what they shouldn't be touching right um, you would hope and maybe that would be a requirement day one look through the data sheet but um you know get familiar because you can't have Raspi schematics, right? But you could obviously have ours. So um, yeah. So yeah. So that maybe that would be a day one requirement. Um, so you don't blow something up. Although that's always fun. So uh, yeah, we would. What would be required, I guess, is we'll have servo outputs. So everything that we need to do to match the BeagleBone right. blue. Do you need the gajillion servo outputs that that thing has? It'd be nice. I don't think that'd okay. be a problem though either. Oh, I didn't say it would be. I'm just asking. Um, and do you need do you need motor driver outputs? Because you're gonna. That's actually separ- what I was gonna ask. Because we have a motor driver on the Scott on Scott already, mm-hmm. and it's basically equivalent to equivalent. I said that weird. Equivalent to the LM two ninety through how whatever you that model 298. is. I'm not a fan of the LM two ninety eight. LN two ninety eight. Um. See, for I, some reason, I can't remember that model name, no matter how many times I, I hear it. I actually prefer... Um, I, so far, I've been a big fan of the DRV8871. Yeah. Um, it's a little 8-pin... I can't remember this footprint type, but it's a little guy. Um, you need a total of 1, 2, 3... I'm holding a breakout board. 1, 2, 3, 4 pins to drive it. Uh, right. Or 4... I'm sorry. Totally phrased that wrong. 4 components to support it. Um, so it's really, really simple. Uh, I think it just depends on how big you're willing to make this board. So, hopefully it would still fit in the footprint of a Raspberry Pi. Um, maybe go a little over. I don't I didn't mind that, but it's still, you know, not huge. And it would hopefully still sit on top of the Pi because I don't want, like, a ribbon cable coming out of the Pi going to another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, like, H-Bridge, I think you could live a, without having that getting or maybe at least do it at a minimum like match the bugle bone with an eight volt output or uh uh i think so the stepper motors that are sorry separate motors the motor drivers that are on the bugle bone are actually are the actually are the drv whatever you just said 888 no no they're not because i, I know sure what, i know what the ones you're talking about are and they i'm looking at this one and they're not the same um i don't those know because are... i know i fried um the stepper the I get once again it's a stepper motor the motor driver on the beagle bone and I ha- purchased some H-bridges to oh, replace on the it be- on the beagle bone on the blue um, yeah 
I thought you meant in your little separate board. Um, oh no, yeah, on the okay. blue. Well, in that case, I don't know the answer to that. If well, if it is, then those are I think dual H bridges. They oh, are. Oh, okay. They're dual channel dual H bridges. This one is a single channel dual H bridge. Um, if that makes sense. Yes, so that it can makes drive, sense. It can drive one motor channel. This one yeah. can. Um, so maybe you what you bought was a, like a double up of this thing. I don't know. Um, personally, I'm a fan of it. Um, I could you check. Can, you can just kind of decide if you don't like it. Um, I don't see a problem with it. It can Honestly, it, I mean, whatever gets it to work uh, well enough or better. Like, you know. Well, this is the one I plan on using for anything disaster from this point forward. Two of these. Um, uh, DRV8871 um, can deliver 3.6 amps. Oh, I take that back what I said. It is not the DRV whatever. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think so. Yeah. Um, and this can deliver 3.6 amps and go, can go up to 45 volts. So it's it's well within the range of what we need to operate in, um, typically. And now you can't run crush off this thing, but I think I think your stall currents are well below what this thing can handle. So, um, Yeah, um, we're not trying to build a crush, thankfully. No. So, yeah, so we'd have, um, I, I don't know about, because you, you want to do at least a usable, so like, if you're going to sell this, it would be usable for other robots, mm-hmm. and not all robots need, like, you know, anything someone builds need 12 volts to their motors, maybe like 6 volts, um, and that would, that's where I'd max out, and then you could, after that you can use that as a signal to your other, like, H-bridge, that does 12 volts or something. So, so I'd say... Saying- are you saying do it like you do it on the blue and still put it on there, but then um, you kind of choose what power level to give it, and based on that, you can either send it to an external driver or use it as the driver? Yes, because I think at or just at a minimum, like what you wouldn't want is here are the motor outputs, and it's 3.3 volts, and it supplies basically no current, right? Right. So I think it'd be silly to supply, like, here you can drive servos and all these other things, and you can't do motors, which are seem more like a more basic thing to have. Well, see, so do you want to plug the battery into this thing, like the lipo battery, or whatever your battery is? Yeah. Um. So the battery would be over the DC barrel plug. I'm not. No, we aren't looking for having a lipo connected, just because the lipo. The only reason we had that was because that's the only way we could supply enough um, current to the servos. I think for some reason on the blue. So you can run, like, one servo off of the DC barrel jack, and then after you do more than one servo, they kind of behave erratically until you plug in a LiPo. That's the only reason LiPo is there. But we'd prefer to not have to, you know, add a LiPo connector. It would just be you get all your power from that DC barrel jack, and that powers the Pi as well. Uh, Is the Pi powered? What is Pi powered with? Five volts. So do we want to plug the battery barrel into our board and have it regulate five for the pie uh yes okay so that's important and uh, um, you might like um reverse voltage pr- protection a little p channel fed will take care of that because yeah from your blue viewable blue experience i know we both thought it was fine yes we, we both, both did we were both too stubborn to check it <laughs> so we would both be happy with that yes yes we would a little p channel fed will take care of that um I, lo- I love that solution. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. A um, little P-channel sh- P uh, polarity protection. A lot of P's. Uh, okay. 
Um, there's a lot of stuff to cram on this board. There's a lot of stuff also I wouldn't want to, you know, match. Like, it's got some um, encoder inputs, which I don't really care about. Um, it's got, like, a GPS input. Don't care about that. Uh, we want to match the ADC, I2C, GPIO, and uh, SPI inputs. Does it have external ADC? And by external, I mean external to the processor chip. I don't actually know, but I suspect it's internal to the processor. But I know it's a six-channel AEC. Two of those channels are being to use to being used to monitor the LiPo uh, voltage and the bat like the DC barrel jack voltage. Mm-hmm. And then the four, the next four are available to from a plug that you can plug into. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, so you yeah you have four channels available to you, six ta- channels total, two of which are being used for onboard monitoring stuff so yeah we'd want to be able to match that at least and it looks like you can only purchase four channel like breakout boards from like adafruit so i don't know how we'll we'll have to look into that do you need more than four uh yes because we know we're going to dedicate two to two or at least sorry one to the dc barrel input so yet you can monitor your battery voltage yeah and you already know that that um that one particular capstone team is going to need others or is going to use others to monitor each individual cell so if you want to maintain that yeah you'll need more that might be kind of overboard for us like would that be of interest for us to be able to monitor the power level of each cell because well our goal here is to keep a teaching tool but also um, we would prefer like this to be used in an industrial setting. So, well, so remember the the. Nice. I guess you don't attend those meetings. I do, but the the purpose of monitoring each cell is not something constant. You're not always monitoring each cell, but you're monitoring each cell during the charging process. Right. Yes. Um, and so I think that's a, if you're going to maintain the functionality supplied by this capstone team, then I think it's actually important to make sure they have that you have the the a, the ADCs to accommodate that and if you want additional after that then we should accommodate that yeah okay and it would so, also be nice to see how much current like um just your drawing in general i wouldn't expect you know this this item is drawing this much current and this much is drawing this is drawing this much current just an overall you know your your robot is drawing this much current at this moment okay so we want current monitoring we want battery monitoring we want servo control we want motor control <sighs> And we wanted AC inputs and GPIO I squared C and SPI. Well, those will all be available on the pen header, right? Yes. Okay. Although I don't know if eh, we might want a port for that. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess we'd have to see what we want to keep on the GPIO and what we want. Like, do we want to just forward the 3.3 volt rails to something like an, our own rail or like a 5 volt rail or just keep the GPIO as is? Where it just gets forwarded up. Uh, I'm not real sure what you're talking about, but when when it comes to voltage rails, what I've started to do with my daughter cards, especially the Crisis Booster Pack I just made, yeah, is um, if mine if my board is going to control power to the microcontroller, in this case the Raspi, yeah, what I want it to do is I want it to take in the voltage and I want it to have all the regulation on board that it needs to supply the vo- the needed voltages. So if I, I'm going to have a beefy little 5 volt regulator and that's going to supply 5 volts to both the Pi and whatever else on the system needs it. Right. Um, it now the, 
I assume the Pi has a 3.3 regulator. It does. Um, I'm not going to touch that. Now, yeah. it can pa- it can pass through on the pin header. That's fine. Um, but I'm not going to touch it. I will, however, supply 3.3 volt outputs that will, because they're from my beefy little regulator, have a have a decent current capacity and we don't have to mess with the Raz Pi. It can be right. left alone. And so I try to mitigate how much current is uh, is going around the microcontroller thing um, as much as possible. So I give it all the current it needs, but I don't want to draw too much from it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I think that's about it. Other than that, I'm just thinking, like, maybe some onboard switches where we take the GPIO pins and move them to some switches. Okay. Like, push-button switches so you can turn it on, turn it off, have, like... Basically, because the the Pi ha- or the BeagleBone has four pins on it, or four buttons, sorry. Um, two are user buttons, so I can use in code, and then the other two is one's a reset and one's a power. So you mm-hmm. press the power button, it'll turn off the BeagleBone, like a proper shutdown sequence. The other one will straight up reset the board. Um, so that'd be nice to match. Um, reset, I guess, is just cutting power, really. Um, but also, a thing we discussed if you remember is when we shut down the beagle bone so we want to i'm wondering if we'd want to be able to have a like a control output for um okay so you know how like we have the lidar hooked up and Mm -hmm. the h bridge and so those things will kind of stay on if you turn the computer off um if the pi had some way to control i have shut down the raspberry pi and so now um none of these devices are also getting power so I, I think I know where you're going with this, and 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 so I just don't I know have, how that'd be executed. Well, I thought about well. So you you're let me clarify then, you're um, you're you still want to have a shutdown sequence, right? So you kill power to, say the lidar, before the pie shuts down, right? Yeah, and I'm also wondering if that's worth implementing or if that's just that may be a bit over the top. I think it is worth implementing. I don't think it's worth implementing on this board. And um, and so what I'm saying is, and just mainly because of real estate, honestly. Yeah, um, that's what I'm thinking as well. I think this would be a peripheral device, so here's my suggestion, is that we, um, on our on our board, we mm-hmm. have some connector. Let's, for since it's familiarity's sake, let's say it's a Grove connector. Yeah. And we can um, take a Grove cable, plug it into that, run it to basically a valve controller v2 and then those will carry um ground and then all the signal wires that that ribbon cable will right and then you'll supply it with um another direct battery line no 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 because it's low side switch so i don't even care about that um unless you want it well you should you should still send it a um you should still send it a um battery line because then we can localize all the power distribution for large power devices on that one board uh-huh um, so we could have say a, a, a spring cage phoenix terminal and um you could it would have you know positive and negative power and you could plug say your lidar into it and then um from gpio control you can turn that thing on and off right yeah um that would be uh yeah, that sounds fine to me. Um, and that would be done on a separate board that's like an add-on to the... Correct. Like a, yeah. Because those those little those photovoltaic relays take a lot of real estate. They're dip. They're a dip six. Um, 
which doesn't sound like a lot until you start to put a bunch of them together. Adds up pretty quick. Um, uh huh. And they they take up well they take up more real estate than you think because say I made a four layer board for this. Um, a dip six takes up not only the the top level surface but it's also through hole, so it goes through the whole board and it wastes a lot of space for me. Um, right. So I think it, and and we're just separating some power away. It's good to keep high power stuff. I think away. Um, so we're gonna put on a different board. Maybe that board, may, if we're smart, we'll make it to where that board can mount on top of this board. That might be cool, unless you don't want it to. Um, uh, I wouldn't mind. We'll, We'd I mean, have to we look into it. Yeah. I mean, we 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 could literally just make the whole pattern the same, and then you could do whatever you want with it. Right. Um, if you could choose to mount it or not mount it, it's easy. Um, and then uh, just put some standoffs or whatever. And then, yeah, so that's my suggestion for that. For anything controlling high powers, we just send GPIO and ground over to it. Good to go. Um, lastly, I guess, like, do we know what our our cost would be? Because right now, the BeagleBone Blue, it'd be nice to be cheaper or equal to the BeagleBone Blue. BeagleBone Blue costs 80 bucks, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And um, the Raspberry Pi costs $35. Um, for the like, I'm assuming like the B plus is what we're thinking of. Yeah. So, um, you know, if we can match that price, where the packet like the bundle of this board plus the Raspberry Pi is about eighty bucks, maybe a little. You know, you don't want to go too far over. But uh, cheaper or cheaper, that'd be pretty sweet. How, so how, how well do you think we'd be able to hit that? It's it's hard to say, and that's another good reason to separate out the power control board. Because those components alone are about seven bucks a pop. Oh and yeah, so, not, not only that, I forgot. Like we'd have an IMU on board and a compass on board. Yeah, and those aren't so, cheap. No. Um, now you can make them. Uh, you can make them not populated, and you could just populate them if you want them. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That it's an option. It's not a good option, but it's an option. Um, but um, it's hard to say. Um, until we start looking into researching specific parts and things like that. I don't think it'll be that expensive. I um, think if it is more expensive than the blue, it wouldn't be that much more expensive. I agree. I agree. Because you said it's 35 bucks for a pie. Um, what does that leave us with? 45 bucks. I think we can do it for 45 bucks. <clears throat> yeah, 45 bucks is a lot of components, at least. Like, that gets us a lot. That gets us a lot of components, and the board... Well, we know how the boards are, so the boards shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it'll be too bad. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to put a number on it because I don't want to make any commitments to a number. But uh, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I, Matt, I, we've got to drop something. The price is more than you've promised. Okay, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it'll be eighty bucks, and then I can't be wrong because that's way too high. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I'm gonna hold you to that. We're gonna get okay. stuck with like. Okay. You hold me to the eighty, and then if I'm less, I win. Nah, I don't mind. Um, we'll just like you know, we'll do our best to not go over the top uh for the price but hopefully i think in the end this should be a cool board that even if you don't have a scuttle or anything um which is why i was mentioning you know you'd want to not just have a dc like a 3.3 volt output for your dc motors is you anyone that wants to build a robot would be able to use this as a hat for their pie yes, and I a hat hat is that what they call them or is this a shield arduino shield never mind so i guess it's a hat for the pie and um yeah, yeah you'd be able to build some pretty neat robots with that yeah, I completely agree. Um, 
we're a little bit over on time, um, so I'm going to ask you one more question. We'll leave it at this. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, how dope do you require the silk screen to be? Um, on a scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. very. <laughs> uh, I'll give it a I'll give it a seven seven and a half. That's it. Weak. Okay. I, I didn't want to be full too ten. pushy. Full is ten. all a full, full ten. ten? You said how much? I mean, you're. How much I would wish for? Yeah, full ten. I don't want to be pushy, is all. Nah, man. See, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards there's more value in having a good silk screen, especially See, if it's for educational purposes. So you would be built designing all of the, um, you know, electronics, like how things get hooked up. I mean, I tell you, but you know, you'd design PCB layout. Yeah. But I think at a minimum, maybe I could do silk screen stuff, because I like making yeah. things at least look pretty. Um, yeah. As long as I get to make the logo. Oh, you can make whatever logo you want. We don't care. Yes. We just want the board. <laughs> I mean, the logo goes on the board, so. Um, and, of course, it has to have the Gravitas logo because that's who we are, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I think we should uh, call it a night right there. It is 11.53 while recording this, so I think it's sufficiently late to call it a night. And that we're over on an hour anyway, so I think that'll be it. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Okay. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Or whatever. That was weird. <laughs> Talk to you guys later. We don't talk to the audience that much, except, well, I guess they're missing guys. Oh, well. Uh, See you guys next week, I guess. Bye. Bye.